This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning to our Sunday morning worship service from Ocean Lakes Family Campground in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The subject of the sermon today is Great Sin, Greater Salvation. This morning we shall see King David at a crisis time in his life. We'll look at several passages of scripture, including 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, and also Psalm 51, and Psalm 32. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners, and we pray that God will speak to our hearts a word of encouragement in this message today, as we are reminded that God is a giving and a forgiving God. One night, Dr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon preached a a sermon on the subject of Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In this sermon, Dr. Spurgeon told how the shepherd goes out and brings in that one lost sheep. It's a wonderful story. After the service was over, a man came up to this great preacher and he said to him, Dr. Spurgeon, I wish I had known that you were going to preach on that story today. I could have given you a wonderful illustration. I'm a hunter, and not long ago I went with a guide to hunt in the mountains of Scotland. We stopped for lunch on a little plateau that was surrounded by high mountains and a grassy plain. I picked up my binoculars and I searched the mountains all around us. On one of them, there was a sheep all by itself far down the mountainside below another plateau. I handed my binoculars to my guide and I said, look, how will that sheep ever get back up with the rest of the flock? The old wise guide who had spent his life in these mountains said very sadly, He can't get back alone. Probably he has left the flock and has jumped down to a grassy ledge below. Then he must have jumped on down to a lower ledge where there was more green grass. And unless the shepherd finds him quickly and helps him back to the rest of the flock, that sheep is lost. For the eagles have already seen him. They're circling up above him. One of them will soon come screaming down and flapping his wings, and that scared sheep will fall off the ledge. The man told Dr. Spurgeon, We watched for about 30 minutes, then the prediction of my guide came true. It was a heartbreaking scene. Then the man preached a sentence sermon to that great evangelist. He said, Dr. Spurgeon, Unless the master finds us and saves us, we'll be lost too. The story of the human race is a story of sin. Look where you will and you'll see the effects of sin 
in the lives of people of every race, every nation, every age. Mankind is born with a sinful nature. And unless it is transformed by the power of God, there's no limit to where sin can take a person. Now, there are some people, of course, who think otherwise. You may have heard people say, oh, everybody's by nature good. But the Bible says that the natural man is evil and full of iniquity. Apostle Paul talks about the contrast between the natural man and the spiritual man. He speaks of our human bodies as natural bodies as compared with spiritual bodies. Let me give you a couple of verses from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Paul also says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Although there are many people who would like to think that mankind is naturally so good and righteous, the Bible clearly indicates otherwise. The Bible tells us we have all gone astray like lost sheep. I think one of the most dramatic, moving illustrations of this truth comes from the pages of the Bible itself. This is a story of David, who wrote many of the Psalms, including that beautiful shepherd psalm, the 23rd Psalm. You remember David, we've been looking at his life for several Sundays now here at Ocean Lakes. The early pages of David's life are like one grand success story with victory after victory, praise upon praise, wonderful things said of him. You know, David is the most famous ancestor of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not called the son of Abraham, nor was he called the son of Jacob, but Jesus was referred to as the son of David. In his early life, David is mentioned as a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. As a youth, David was an athlete, a musician. You remember he played before the king and a poet. And as he grew older, David was recognized as an able general, an efficient administrator, one of the greatest of all the kings of Israel. You remember David bravely and fearlessly killed the giant Goliath. He spared King Saul's life on two occasions as Saul was his enemy. Saul was trying to kill him. David made uh, preparations for the building of the temple in Jerusalem, although his son Solomon completed the temple. David was truly a mountain peak among Bible characters, but this wonderful man's life had a terrible mark of sin on it, which caused a stain of gross iniquity do you remember the story? It's found in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. Let me recap the story very briefly for us. One evening, as David was king, he had trouble sleeping. So he got up and began walking about the royal palace, and his eye chanced to fall upon a beautiful woman as she was washing herself. David was a king, and his subjects must obey his commands. So David sent for her, and there began a series of great sins. This woman, whose name was Bathsheba, 
sent word later to David that she was to bear his child. But there was a problem. Bathsheba already had a husband whose name was Uriah. Well, that was no problem for David. After much conniving, David arranged to have Uriah placed on the front lines in battle where he was sure to be killed. And you know, that's exactly what happened. So after the proper time of mourning, probably crying crocodile tears, as we say, David and Bathsheba were married. Oh, now, everything seemed to be going so well. But the scripture says in 2 Samuel eleven twenty-seven, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God has not left himself without a witness, and he always has someone to go and say, Thus saith the Lord. Amos, the prophet from Tekoa, said, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. That's Amos chapter 2, verse 6. God raised up a man named Jeremiah to denounce the sins of the self-righteous people of his day. You remember Jonah was sent to the wicked city of Nineveh. Elijah was God's man to denounce Ahab and Jezebel because of their idolatrous worship of their god Baal. You remember John the Baptist spoke for Herod, spoke to Herod for God, and John the Baptist lost his head in the process, literally. And when David's great sin was seen in the eyes of God, another man was sent, this time a man named Nathan. Nathan was a discreet, tactful, yet fearless man. There are a lot of ways in, in which interpretation has been given as to how David approached, was, was approached by Nathan. But one idea is that he did not approach David shaking his finger in David's face and telling him to repent like some modern evangelists may say, Nathan rather used a method that Jesus himself would use later many times during his earthly ministry. And that was of telling an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We call it a parable. Here was a story that Nathan told King David. Once upon a time, there were two men, one very rich, the other very poor. The rich man had great flocks and herds, but the poor man had only one little lamb, and it was a pet. It grew up together with him and his children. You can almost see the real happiness there in his home as the little lamb is playing with his children. Well, one day the rich man had a friend to visit him, and it was the thing to do back then to offer this visitor something to eat. But instead of going out to his own plentiful flocks and killing an animal, this rich man went to the home of the poor man and took his one little pet lamb and killed it for his visitor to eat. That was the story that Nathan told King David. Well, how does Nathan's parable make you feel? Well, here's how it made David feel. In 2 Samuel 12, verses 5 and 6, we read David's response. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, 
the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And then the trap was sprung. Nathan said to David, You are the man, because you took Uriah's wife and had him killed in battle. Now, how does that make you feel? We don't have to wonder how it made David feel. David did not puff up. He did not become angry against God's messenger. He could have had Nathan's head chopped off right there on the spot if he had so ordered it. But no, we find David's reaction in one of the Psalms that he wrote. The 51st Psalm. You can take your Bible sometime when you have opportunity and read Psalm 51, starting with the first verse. Depart from me, O God. And just it goes on and on. David just pouring out his soul in confession of his sin. I acknowledge my sin. My transgression is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David just in tears, it seems, as he writes that 51st Psalm. Don't you know David must have wished a thousand times he had never taken that evening stroll around the palace roof that night? He may even, wished, may even have wished that his eyes had been blinded before he committed the sin of adultery, which led to the sin of murder eventually. Oh, it all seemed so harmless at first. But you know, that's the way sin works when it's allowed to go unchecked. David found that you can never sin and get away with it. Not really in the long run. There were several predictions that were made of what David would have to suffer because of this sin. First, the sword would never depart from David's house. A second prediction, because of his wickedness, evil would be raised against him out of his own house. Three, as David had violated and profaned another man's home, he would live to see his own home desecrated and his own wives ravished. A fourth prediction that would happen in David's life, the child that Bathsheba had given birth to would die. And finally, as David had done his sin secretly, the penalty would be made completely public for the whole nation to see. Those were the five predictions. Do you know how many of these Bible predictions came true? All five of them. David did not escape the earthly punishment for his sin. Sin always brings some type of punishment. But thank God, the story of David's life does not stop here. Yes, there was great sin, but there is always greater salvation for the one who turns to God in confession, seeking forgiveness. David confessed his sin to God, as we've just said. He said, against thee, thee only have I sinned. And then in the beautiful words of the 32nd Psalm, we read David's testimony of his assurance of forgiveness. Let me read just a few verses from Psalm 32. David prayed, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
When I kept silence, my bones waxed old. Day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. But I acknowledged my sin. My iniquity have I not hid. David confessed his sin to the Lord in this beautiful 32nd Psalm. God knows that we're all sinful creatures. God knew that sin within mankind's heart was so dreadful that it would take a great price to pay for such a horrible iniquity as we have all committed. God considered your sin and my sin so evil, so terrible, that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. God knew that in ourselves we could not fight successfully against the powers of sin. We could not achieve righteousness on our own. And so God hath made him, that is Jesus, to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Yes, the Bible teaches that there is no other way to be redeemed, to be set free from our sins, except through the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus. We sang this morning earlier in our service, Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. In one of his books, Dr. Roy Angel tells about Dr. J.C. Massey, a Georgia preacher, who related an experience which happened to him when he was just a child. It went something like this, and you will know this came from many years ago. Dr. Massey said, My mother was the sweetest woman in the world, but she was very strict about one thing. She would not let us boys play on her feather beds. She prided herself in having the prettiest, fluffiest feather beds in all of Georgia. He said, oh, I wanted so much to stand on the rail of one of those beds and just let go and fall flat down on that soft quilt, so soft and fluffy that you would sink out of sight in the middle of it. That's what I wanted to do, but mother firmly refused. He said, well, one day it had been raining my big brother had ridden his horse out on the farm to see if all the water had drained away properly. Mother and I were out in the woodshed behind our house. She was washing clothes, and I was busy too. I was making mud pies. Well, I got tired making mud pies, and so I went inside the house all by myself. As I walked down the hall, I looked sideways into one of the bedrooms, and it was just as if one of those big feather beds was beckoning to me, come here. In just a minute, I found myself standing on the rail at the bottom of that bed. I jumped up as high as I could. I flattened out. And in two seconds, I had gone out of sight, hidden in that soft feather quilt. Oh, it was glorious. Dr. Massey said, as I lay there enjoying that feeling, I heard a sound, the rustle of a skirt. And so I carefully looked toward the door and there mother stood. Oh, I knew I deserved a whipping. But just about that time, somebody raised the window on the other side of the bedroom 
And I looked and I saw my big brother crawling through that window. I could see his horse standing outside in the yard. He had ridden by that window and he had seen the whole thing as it happened. And as my big brother crawled through the window, he said, wait a minute, mother, wait a minute before you whip him. And then my big brother sprawled out in that bed on top of me. And he said, all right, mother, go ahead, lay it on. I'll take his whipping for him this time. Dr. Massey said, I listened, but the switch that mother was holding in her hand did not hit. So I peeped out from under my big brother to see what was going on. My mother's face had the most strange, beautiful expression on it I'd ever seen. There was a trace of a tear and her lips quivered just a little bit. Her eyes glistened, but she was smiling. And she spoke to my big brother as if I were not even there under him. She said, you big loving rascal, pick up your little brother and take him out that window with you. Don't you come this way or I'll switch you both. Dr. Massey said, the years rolled on by. One day I was where my heavenly father told me not to go. I knew I had done something he told me he did not want me to do. I bowed my head, waiting for the lash of God's anger, which I knew I deserved. But then I seemed to feel something like an arm go around my shoulders. I didn't hear it literally with my ears, but it was like I could hear that quiet, gentle voice of Jesus say, I'll take it for him, Father. I'll take it for him this time. I opened my eyes and it seemed that I could see three crosses against an evening sky. And I could hear from somewhere a voice saying, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Yes, it was a story of the death of a lamb, an innocent little pet lamb that broke King David's heart and showed him how great a sinner he was in God's sight. And it is the true story of the death of another lamb, God's only son, Jesus, that story which can bring to us that great salvation and deliverance from our sins that would daily beset us. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We might add the Lamb of God that takes away my sin. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we know that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain in our lives, but he washed it white as snow through his precious blood. May that truth be our truth that we claim today as we renew our love and surrender to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. This we pray in his matchless name. Amen.